worship. But uh, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. And uh, the title of this morning's message, part of our Faith and Duty series, is Many Are Called, But Few Are Chosen. And uh, we're going to talk about, do I look like Jesus in this? And uh, you'll notice the mirrors on our stage a little bit today. I, I, didn't, I didn't want you to, I was going to point them up a little bit. I didn't want you to see if your neighbor was picking their nose behind you or, or something like that, you know. But uh, uh, we're wrapping up our Faith and Duty series today, and uh, then we'll start our Christmas series next week. But let's pray and uh, prepare our hearts for the Word. And, uh, and Lord, we just thank you today, Lord, that we have much to be thankful for. And God, that we won't come with uh, prideful hearts, but God, we come or ready to receive something, God, not having everything already figured out. Lord, not having my heart, I know is not perfect. God, I know there are things that you want to grow in me, to uh, teach me, God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, even today, God, even as I speak, Lord, even as we hear, God, you begin to teach us, to grow us, to challenge us, Lord, to go deeper in your spirit, deeper in your word, God, that we would never come uh, feeling like we have it all together, but God, that we would know that you are everything and we need more of you each and every day. And God, so we come with open ears, open hearts uh, to receive from your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 So glad to have our kids here this morning on this fifth Sunday. But uh, So what's the difference then, parents, your kids are beside you, uh, between a son or a daughter who obeys you and one who doesn't? Between a kid who will obey you and, and one who doesn't? I'll give you a little example. Let's say you have two kids. Uh, and you tell them both to go clean your room. And uh, then you're going to have a variety of responses. One perhaps being, uh, maybe you could say the, to the oldest, you say, uh, go clean your room. And they say, uh, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. And they go off. And then you go to the youngest. And you go to the youngest, you say, hey, I need you to clean your room. And the youngest says, no, I won't do it. Right? And then, then they go off. And so you go away, you see what they're going to do. The old, you go to their rooms at the end of the day, and you come to the youngest. No, I won't do it. And you go in there, and their room is clean. They've had a change of mind. Then you go to the oldest who said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. But you go there, and they've gotten busy. They've forgotten. And their room is just as dirty as it was that morning. Which kid obeyed you? The youngest, right? The one who had a change of heart, a change of mind. It doesn't really matter what they said. It was really about what they did. And Jesus kind of gave a parable about that in the previous chapter of Matthew 21. Because there's a difference this morning between sayers and doers. There's a difference between sayers and doers, between what we say and what we do. And when Jesus is talking about this, he's setting uh, the stage for our our passage this morning uh, to say that the reason that corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes were entering into God's kingdom before the religious elite is because they didn't allow God's word, uh, they didn't believe in the message of God's word enough to be changed by it. They professed it, they said it, they heard it, but it didn't promote a change of direction, a change of heart. And sometimes that's the way we can be too as Christians. Uh, many of us grew up in church our whole lives uh, and, and we've heard it and we've heard it and we've heard it and we speak it and we speak it, but do we do it? And we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, there's a difference between sayers and doers. And James tells us to prove ourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. And there are those today that claim to be right with God and are not in this world. 
Don't have to go too far to find them. They claim to be right with God and are not, but there are also those who are currently not right with God, but will be, because they not only heard the word, but they responded to it uh, and put on his righteousness. Everybody say, put on his righteousness. All right, Matthew chapter 21, or 22, verse 1. Matthew 22, verse 1. Parable of the marriage feast this morning, wrapping up our faith and duty series. Uh, Read with me here. I'm reading the New American Standard. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. And again he set out others, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fattened livestock are all butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention, and they went their way. One went to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed the murderers and set their city on fire. And then he said to his other slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite them to the wedding feast. And those slaves went out, and they went out to the streets, and they gathered together all that they found, both good and evil. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. All right. But then when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there. And he was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, throw him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. What is, what is going on here? Jesus tells a parable about a wedding feast. And uh, back in the ancient days, they didn't have email and Facebook, and the mail wasn't very good either. So they would uh, give you an estimated date on when the wedding would be. Uh, and then right before, after everything was really prepared, since most people lived within walking or riding distance, they would send out dispatchers and say, hey, today's the day. It's approximately when I told you it was going to be, but now is the time. Come on. And so Jesus gives this parable about this uh, ancient wedding. And what he's really setting us up for today, and I'm going I'm to kind of catch you up on, on the theology of it, he's really telling the religious elite, hey, God called the Jews, and God called Israel to be a light to the nations, uh, but they rejected him. They heard all the prophets, and they did not listen. They would not turn. And I sent prophet after prophet after prophet for thousands of years, and they're still not even listening to the best one, Moses. And, so, and many of them got killed. And recently, I just sent you John the Baptist, the last prophet of the Old Testament, and uh, he was beheaded too, and you didn't listen to him. And he says, so I'm opening up the door to all people, good and bad, and the ugly, right? Uh, Those of you who watch Westerns, right? All right, so, and then he's opening up the door, and everybody's coming in, but he's telling us something today. This is the lesson for us. He's saying, you've got to be wearing the right clothes, Was this kind of a sick joke? Because he's telling the poor and the beggar and the lame and all the outcasts who are are coming to this royal banquet. He says, you need to put on the right clothes. What is in there? Because if you read this, you're like, man, Jesus, that's kind of rough. You invite this guy into your house, then you kick him out, right? Let's take a deeper look at this this morning. There is a marriage supper waiting for the church today. But there is a catch. 
we've got to wear the right clothes. I'm going to look at this as three separate guests today. Uh, number one is the no-shows. Number two is the last-minute guests. And number three uh, is the wedding crashers. Let's talk about the no-shows, the first one. Uh, how many people have ever given a party and people RSVP to it and they did not show? Don't that just make you angry? Got that plate, you made all that pot of chili, you made all that gumbo or whatever it was, and they said, oh, yeah, 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 I'll be there. And they didn't show up. In ministry, that quite happens quite often. I remember starting a, our young adult ministry when we pioneered one up in Missouri, and many times young adults, they're young college students, oh, yeah, I'll be there, come on, it's going to be awesome. And you like, order like pizza for 50 people and like 12 people show and you're eating pizza for like a month, you know? Uh, there's the no-shows. But you know, if you think about it, what if the uh, Kate, the Princess Kate, all right, ladies, invited you to a royal banquet? How many of you would think, you know, I kind of have to go to Walmart later. I may not make it to the princess's royal banquet, right? No, all the girls would be there in a heartbeat if they said, hey, royalty... Uh, when royalty invites you to a wedding or to an event, you cancel everything else. If the Queen of England or, or uh, if a, uh, a very important person invited you to their party, you would cancel every other plan. And Jesus is warning us today about being sayers but not doers. People who say one thing but are doing another. And it's like these Jews and these Pharisees. They said they were sons of Abraham and they were people of faith, but they really had dead religion. There was no living faith in them. And so God had told them in Isaiah 29, He said, Hey, because these people draw near to me with their words and they honor me with their lip service, but they've removed their hearts from me. And their reverence for me is nothing but tradition learned by rote. Lord, help us that as we come into church week after week perhaps, that we're not just singing songs by that amazing grace just doesn't become another song. Or that uh, God is good, His love endures for forever. That these songs don't just become something or, oh yeah, I've heard that passage preached before. Oh, it's another Christmas season. Or, it's an, oh, it's another altar call. But that we're not just going through the motions, but that we're saying, God, I'm have a living faith. Something is burning deep inside of me. Something is alive. And he's saying... Having that, coming into a place, coming to the Lord, and just singing Him lip service is like being a person who says they'll go to the party, but doesn't show up. It's a slap in the face. It's rude, right? That God has prepared Himself to be with us today, and so that we should as well, right? All right, let's look at this. You look at these people, and He's saying, hey, Don't be a no-show. Don't be one who's RSVP'd but doesn't show because it's telling God something. How many people know that no choice is a choice? When you tell your kid to go clean their room and they just be kind of indifferent about it and they didn't say no and they didn't say yes, they're telling you something, right? When someone makes that no choice, it's really a choice. A choice to do nothing is a choice uh, in itself. And some believers in this world today, we're going to encounter... They're going to be hostile. They're going to, like these, these, some of these slaves, they killed these servants. They killed the prophets. Sometimes you're going to encounter people in this world who are going to hate you. They're going to backstab you. They're going to talk about you. They're not going to let you uh, talk about Jesus or put Jesus on your T-shirt or on your bumper sticker in your parking lot. Whatever it may be, they're going to persecute you. But there are some people that God is classifying as unbelievers who are simply just indifferent. They're simply just indifferent. And that's what he was telling these Pharisees, these religious elite. 
Some believers are simply indifferent. You know, we can masquerade in religion all that we want, but if we, in the end of the day, reject Christ and reject His kingdom, it's the same as being an unbeliever. Indifference can lead to an unbelieving heart. And whether it be that we come in and it's just say la vie, la vie, and that we're just going through the motions and uh, praying the prayers, and the Pharisees, man, the Pharisees prayed every day. They fasted. They, they were holy. They washed everything. They didn't, they didn't eat with Gentiles. They were trying to be as holy as they could. They, they read the Bible and memorized Scripture more than anybody else. And yet Jesus comes to them and says, you're really indifferent. All of that work you're doing, all of the prayers you're praying, all of the songs you're singing, all of the holiness that you think that you are separating yourself from the world, at the end of the day, you're just indifferent. Your heart is just the same as an unbeliever. You know, that's possible. That's kind of amazing, you think about it, that I can go and do everything that I'm supposed to do and say everything I'm supposed to say and give everything I'm supposed to give and and, and, and pre- for the most part, do everything that I'm supposed to do, but at the end of the day, my heart can be indifferent. And we have to examine ourselves this morning, church. Think of it this way. If we failed to believe enough to obey Him, we are actually choosing to rebel. Think, I'll say that again. If we fail enough to believe Him, and so much so that we uh, failed to obey, we failed to believe enough to obey Him, we are actually choosing rebellion. Some people might say something like this. They say, well, I didn't really tell Christ no, I just didn't tell Him yes. That's the same thing, right? I didn't say no to Jesus Christ. I didn't say no, God, I wouldn't give you that part of my heart. I just didn't say yes when you asked for it. That's saying no, Right? And so we got to examine ourselves right here this morning. Uh, I didn't just say no to him, but I didn't say yes either. How many people can go to church for so many years and never give Jesus their whole heart? Come on. How many people will sing, I want to know him more, but never go deeper? Right? How many, think, come on, are you with me this morning? Let's examine ourselves. Let's challenge ourselves. Let the word of God speak into our hearts that going to heaven is a choice, but so is going to hell. We will make a choice. Every person in this world will make a choice whether or not to accept, to submit to Jesus Christ. And it's a choice to not only trust Him, but also to obey Him. And I ask this morning, do we have a place for Jesus in our plans? Does our relationship with Christ go beyond our beliefs and beyond our Facebook statuses and beyond our t-shirts? And that we really truly say yes to Jesus, repent of my sin, and enter into a lifelong, growing, fruitful fellowship with Him that I say, I'm saying, God, I'm giving you an answer, a clear-cut answer. Yes, God, I will go. Yes, God, I will give. Yes, God, I will give you everything. So that's the no-shows. They don't say yes, they don't say no, they're just indifferent. They RSVP like they say they're going to do something, but in their hearts they're really saying no to God. So that's the religious side. The next side is the last-minute guest. I'm happy to be, Lord, help us that I want to be a last-minute guest. Because think about this. Let's look at this next passage. He says, he goes, he says go, go therefore to the main highways and, and go and find as many as you can and bring them to the wedding feast. And so the slaves went out and they gathered all they found, both evil and good. Both good and bad people. I like that part. I'm glad that Jesus put that in there because Lord knows we're not all perfect yet, right? And God had opened his door to both good and evil. 
Have you ever had, uh, you ever wanted to have a, a big party at your house, or, or you wanted to have people over, uh, but everybody was too busy, nobody could come? You know, sometimes uh, Beth and I will be like, uh, you know, you don't plan something, you're just like, hey man, it'd be awesome to have somebody over, but it's, you know, it's like five o'clock, who's really available at five o'clock on a Saturday night who hasn't already ate supper? Anybody ever do that? Like, man, I really wish we could do something tonight, but I wonder who's busy. And it's like God, he was desperate. Man, he had killed all the cows. He prepared the banquet. He got this beautiful uh, uh, banquet hall going on here, and ain't nobody there to enjoy it. And so God just opens up his doors and says, hey, just let them all come. And go, go out there and just invite somebody. How many people would do that to your house? Your friends couldn't come over. You, had the, you already bought the pizza, the gumbo, or whatever. And so you just tell your kids, hey, run out down the street and just start shouting. Anybody want to come to mom's house? We got free food. Right? I mean, that's kind of how God's doing it. And he's saying, just get people in here. He was so desperate for people to enjoy his son's wedding, to see this great banquet, to uh, be with him and celebrate of what he had accomplished. And, you know, you and I were not, were not on God's original guest list. We can think as awesome of ourselves as we want, but you and I were not on his original guest list. We were adopted in, grafted into his covenant. And, and the king, he saw fit to open this great banquet to the good and the bad. That's like us, those who are unworthy. Ephesians chapter 3 and 5, verse 5 tells us that God didn't reveal uh, this plan to previous generations, but now his spirit has revealed it to the apostles and the prophets. And this is God's plan, that now both Gentiles and Jews, anybody who believes the good news, will share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Somebody say amen. amen. Both of us are part of the same body. We all have the same promise of blessing because we belong to Jesus Christ. And by God's grace and his mighty power, we have heard this good news. God has opened up his doors to you. That's good news. That we can come and participate. And this is this gracious invitation. This king's original guest didn't show, and he opens it up to beggars, to smelly people. Now think of, you get, to get a picture of this. Picture, you know, Princess William, Princess Kate, or the royal family, right? And they go, and they do this one, look at this picture on the screen, this wonderful royal banquet, gold utensils, gold plates, you know, the best wine, and, and you got like 20 forks, and you don't know what to do with any of them, you know, and, and it's just ornate and wonderful. And then all of the homeless people, and the beggars, and the smelly people, and the mentally handicapped, and some of the, and the insane, some of those are in your family, right? And, and they, they bring them all in. And they're sitting there, and don't they look a little out of place, right? And God has, in His grace, that is exactly what He's done to you and to I. I don't deserve to be in the courts of the Lord. I don't have it all together. I'm not holy. I'm not perfect. And when I get to heaven, thank God that He will give me something to put on. He will give me a robe of righteousness. And there's a dress code at this royal wedding, what do you think you'd have to wear, and how much could you afford a dress or a suit to go to a royal wedding and to be a part of it? I probably, we couldn't even touch it. It'd take half of our year's salary just to buy the clothes or the tailor-made suit or tuxedo or dress to go into this fine dining hall. But yet the king is saying to these beggars, come as you are. Come as you are. You ain't got to have it all together to come to Jesus. 
You ain't got to have your life history made perfect. You don't have to have the right things to wear. Hopefully, you know it by now at Sanctuary. You ain't got to have a suit and tie on to feel like you got to fit in. Or, but it's, it's a spiritual thing, too. I don't have to have a perfect track record to come to Jesus. I don't have to have the best reputation. I don't even have to have the best mouth right now or have uh, uh, the right attitude or the right uh, habits or addictions. Wherever you are, he's saying, come. Just come in and sit down with me. Dine with me. You are invited to a royal wedding in heaven. You're invited. Now, how many people would really say no to that? If you really understood it, if you understood the gospel and so much religion and these Pharisees, these no-shows who didn't come to the wedding anyway, they, they were putting obstacles in place in so many churches, so many pastors, so many deacon boards and so many church members put obstacles in place of people and say, wait, fix this first, then you'll feel better about coming and worshiping with us. Fix this first, then you'll feel better about coming to Bible study or, or when you work on your attitude and you can't wear that or say that or do that if you come and you're going to a church function. God says, come as you are. You are welcome in His house. Man, that is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What should our churches look like? How diverse should they be? How should we be celebrating? How thankful do you think that poor beggar was who got invited to a royal wedding? Man, he hadn't eaten food in weeks. He's been eating moldy, stale bread. He didn't have clothes. He smells. He's having, he hadn't worn deodorant in years, right? Come on now. His shoes are wore out. His teeth are messed up. His hair is all messy, right? Come on. And he gets good to go. I mean, one, don't you think he'd be humble? Like, oh my gosh. I've never seen gold before. And he'd be tempted to kind of put something. You know, like uh, he's putting rolls in his pockets, right? And he's like eating all the candy and, and, and just feasting. But at the same time, he's in honor. In honor that the king said yes and that the king is down the table. That all the people in the world who could have come, that he was sitting there. How should we feel in the presence of God? That not only it should be an, an honor and a, and a privilege to sit in the presence of the majesty of the King on high every single time I enter into prayer or come into worship in the church, but at the same time, I'm ready to gorge myself. I'm ready to feast from the fruit of His, of his lips and, uh, and the Word and the Spirit of God. I'm ready to just dine and, and fill till I'm overflowing the best Thanksgiving meal you could ever have, right? But yet at the same time, there's this humility, a brokenness. Why am I here? God, how could you ever invite me in? God, I'm not worthy. I'm unholy. But here's the cool part. Let's go to the wedding crashers. The next part, the wedding crashers, the third guest. When the king came in, he looked over the dinner guest. He saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. That's interesting. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without having wedding clothes? The man was speechless. What happened here? How come is it that he invited all the poor, stinky, smelly beggars to come in, uh, good people and bad people, and he finds one who's not dressed? Well, where do the other people get their clothes from? Well, okay, let's look, take a look at this. Well, why did he kick this guy out? He, I mean, that's a cruel joke. Hey, you, come on in my house. Now, get on out again, right? That's that sick joke, right? No, there's this, uh, in the Near East, long time ago, even before the time of Jesus, there was a, a tradition. It was not a normal tradition, but sometimes royalty or kings would provide their guests with clothes from their wardrobe. And so, uh, it wasn't always something they would do, but it was a great honor when the king would say, hey, 
I've got something from my... You, you know, sometimes you uh, see even today, uh, Princess Kate or whoever will take some of the queen's jewelry and she'll get to wear it for an event, right? You guys with me here? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, they'll get to get a ring or, or different things. Same thing, when you would go, if you were that honored guest, you would get to go to that royal banquet and it wouldn't be for every guest, but some guests would get to wear some of the king or the queen's uh, jewelry or, or garments or whatever. And so we assume in this parable that one thing happens, that the king is so generous, he allows every guest to put on his garments. Now, that's unusual. It's, it's something unique here. Now, look, let me tell you what it means. You go onto this thing, this man... He comes in, and every single person, this beggar, he comes in, he's got nothing to wear. And then the king is just giving all of his righteousness, all of his glory, all of his honor, and his praise to all these guests. And he's saying, you wear these pearl diamonds, or pearl earrings, you wear these diamonds, you, you put on this hat, you can even wear this mantle, and all this. And they begin to put all this stuff on, taking off their clothes, putting on his clothes. But then there's one man who doesn't do it. Why wouldn't he do it? Jesus says, come as you are, but you know, the message of the gospel does not end there. We come as we are, but we have to take off our filthy garments and put on His clothes of righteousness. We don't just come as you are and stay as you are, but God expects a transformation to begin inside of us, a a journey to grow. And there's this great exchange here. That even though God's grace allows a sinner to come and eat in His presence, I still have to remember, I am in the presence of a holy God. When I get saved, yes, God allows you to come in, but you are in relationship with a holy God. And we ought to be changing the way we act a little bit. Don't you believe that beggar's manners? manners? He was a little bit more, car- he's probably watching. Okay, he picked up that fork. All right? That guy over there, he put his pinky up, or whatever. I mean, he was probably saying, okay, everybody stood up when the king come in. And he was looking. You know, for a new believer, that's what we're supposed to do. How does the, how does the rest of the church behave in honor of the king? Come on, saints of God. We need to be leading people and how to act in, in front of the king. We have an expectation to put on these robes of righteousness to, to learn how to do what is good and proper and pleasing and know the will of God and teaching one another, right? And so this comes here. He says, come as you are, but I need you to change your clothes. Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. But then he says, take my yoke. Come to me. I'll give you rest, but you've got to do something. Take my authority. Take, uh, take uh, sub, uh, subserviency to me. Uh, come underneath me. Let me bridle you and guide you and restrain you in the things of this world and show you how to walk in righteousness, how to be gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls because it's better to be under His authority than the devil's. It's better to be under His authority than the world. So He put on Christ. Paul tells us in Romans 13, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Put on. What do you got to do to put on clothes? You have to take some action, right? You can't just say, man, I really want to wear that today. And walk out of the house. We would all be shocked, right? You know, you have to do something. And Paul is saying, put 
on. There's an action in there. We've got to put on the clothes, the righteousness that Jesus Christ gives us. That means put away our former deeds by faith, apply the blood of the Lamb to our hearts, and then obey Him by staying underneath it, to stay inside of it. And Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn how to know what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Church, I hope you're getting this this morning. When we come to faith, we come as we are, but we are supposed to put on this man had no excuse. No excuse. He was speechless because he knew he was out of place. He knew he passed by the changing station. And sometimes we can go to church, and sometimes we can be in a Christian faith, and we can say, I'm a sinner. God accepts me as I am, and I'm fine with staying that way. Right? But he's saying, you, at that last day, there will be no hidden agenda. There will be no hidden motives, nothing unrevealed. That while we can come and we can pretend that we're in fellowship with the King, when that day comes, God will know who is His and who is not. And he says, and they, they excluded him, he, this guy excluded himself by not putting on, by not allowing his life to be transformed, by not accepting the great uh, reward that Jesus Christ had for him. Uh, he was excommunicated. That means separated from the presence of God, sent to hell. And one author says this, he says, Judgment will come on any Christian who refuses to come to Christ on Christ's terms. It's nice to fit into church. It's nice to put on our nice clothes and come on a Sunday morning. But Jesus sees our real spiritual attire. We can't hide what we're really wearing in front of Him. He knows if we're struggling with that adulterous thoughts. He knows if we're struggling with those thoughts of lust. He knows if we're struggling with lying or addiction. He knows if we're struggling with gambling or or, uh, consuming too much stuff in this world. He knows if we're actually struggling with greed or, or envy. He knows if we're struggling with unforgiveness. He knows what areas we're allowing to put on Jesus Christ. He knows. He can tell your clothes versus his clothes. Come on now. That king could tell, well, that's my diamond bracelet and my embroidered, uh, you know, cloak and rope, and that's your dirty sack of whatever, you know. He can tell. You can't fake it. And so we put off the things of this world. We put on Christ's robe because... Many are called, and few are chosen. I struggled with this verse for a long time, not really understanding what it meant. Many are called, but few are chosen. I'm going to give you the answer. It's simply this. Many are invited to heaven's banquet, but few will make it in. means many who have been in Christ's service all of their lives may prove by their own fruit that they were never really chosen at all, says one author. Many who have been in Christ's service all their lives may at the end of their life prove they were never really there at all. Lord, help us in such a religious environment as the South and Louisiana, United States of America, that we really are who we say we are. That we really act like we say we act. And we do, really do what we say we do. That, Lord, help us that we are taking off the garments of this world and putting on His heavenly garments of good things, of righteousness and the character of Jesus Christ, because many will be called to this great feast, but few will really make it in. 
because few will really determine in their lives to make a decision to allow God to change them, to allow their nature to be different, not to say I go to church and say I'm a good old boy and say I believe in Jesus Christ and still go do whatever I want to do and still go say whatever I want to say and think whatever I want to think, but that we say, God, I'm just so honored to be here. God, I'm really just honored to be invited into your presence. And yes, I would totally rather wear your clothes than my clothes. You know? How amazing it is, this man. It doesn't even make logical sense. And so many times and we look in our lives and I look at uh, people and we look at uh, our situations and if we could only see from a heavenly perspective, a kingdom perspective, and look, it'd be so much better to have Christ's attitude in that situation than yours. You'd be so much more well off if you just act like Jesus when they say that to you than you'd want to say what you want to say, right? Uh, it would work out so much better for you if you put off the way you like to do things and put on the way he likes to do things. I'm going to give you a little illustration this morning. What does Christ's robe look like? First Peter tells us a few things. Peter tells us to do something. He says, hey, several times in the Bible, we're called to examine our fruit. Can you see yourselves in there? All right, good. Peter says, hey, there's some things like moral excellence and knowledge and self-control and patient endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love for everybody. Galatians tells us there's things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Man, God's got a lot of rich things. He's got a lot of good, uh, expensive things that I can't purchase on my own. I can't afford to buy love for everybody. I hardly can afford to buy self-control, right? I mean, he's saying, I wish you would just put this stuff on. And so many times, what do our spouses do? Men, honey, do I look good in this? Right? And what do we all say? Yes, dear, right? Of course. You know, those of you who are not married, you, that's, a, that's a good thing to know. But he, honey, do I look good in this? You know, and there's something else to know today, too, that some people may can pull something off. They probably shouldn't, right? You go to the mall today. There's some people who can wear it, but that doesn't mean they should wear it, right? And, and, and the same is true for us. There's a lot of things you may be actually able to allow to wear, that attitude, that belief, that circumstance, that decision, that opinion of yours. God might allow you to wear it, but does it mean you should? I want you to ask ourselves today and say, do I look like Jesus in this? If I have His righteousness on, if I put on His robes of righteousness, I put on His character, His opinions, His belief, and when that situation comes, that circumstance comes, and I can look myself in the mirror and say, do I look like Jesus in this? Do I look like Jesus in this opinion that I have? Do I look like Jesus in this circumstance that I'm going through? Do I look like Jesus? Honey, do I look like Jesus in this uh, attitude I have with you? Ooh, Right? Do I look like Jesus in what I'm wearing? And this, this person talks, starts talking about something on Facebook, and I begin to... Do I look like Jesus? Hmm. Come on. Do I look like Jesus in this? Look at ourselves in the mirror. Is my language, is my belief, is my decisions looking like Jesus? Is my circumstance and how I go through it looking like Jesus? Because here's what I'm telling you this morning. They are His clothes. He knows how to wear them better than you and I do. They are His clothes. 
And he's given them to us as a valuable treasure, a priceless possession. Here's my love. Here's my joy. Here's my self-control. Here's my meekness, my humility. Wear them in style. Come on. Put off the things they used to wear and wear this because here's the catch. If I don't come and I call you to that wedding feast and I find that you don't have my covering, you're not clothed with the blood of the Lamb and, and the, the character trait of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, if I don't see you truly going after me and truly under my blood and trusting and obeying me, there's going to be an excommunication. There's going to be an invitation ripping party because it's not going to be a good thing. But the good news is that Jesus Christ says, come as you are, and you don't have to do anything other than just put it on. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't even know how to, how to button it together. Just, I'll help you figure it out. My servant, my body, my, the, the church there, they'll show you how to eat right, how to stand up when the king comes in. They'll show you how to put on that robe of righteousness and walk in the character of a person who's following after Christ. But we have to take off one thing, and put on another. Worship team, would you come? They're His clothes, church. Philippians tells us in chapter 2, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Though He existed in the form of God, He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself, took a form of that bondservant, and the maid in the likeness of man, and He found and being in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death on a cross. Do I look like Jesus in this? Have I loved people in God more than myself? Am I willing to do God's will? Am I humbling myself to the point of death to follow God's will? Am I being obedient to God? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus says that the kingdom of God will be given to a people who are producing fruit. There's a great invitation, church. It's a good news. It's a good invitation. And it's for those sinners who realize their own poverty, for the good and for the bad in this world, who, who know they, they're not worthy. But he says, come as you are. Doesn't care what you're wearing, doesn't care what you look like, doesn't care where you've been. He says, come as you are. Come accept this royal invitation to dine with the King in eternity. Come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is a great party up in heaven waiting for us. And if you could just see that your situation, the things of this world, are in no value in comparison. Nothing in this world can even put a price tag on the riches of heaven. If you could just see the poverty of your own situation... To be poor in spirit, he says, yours will be the kingdom of heaven. You could just be meek in your own self. He says, you'll inherit all of his new earth. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Heath, I am ready to come and dine with Jesus Christ. I see that my life is nothing on its own, and I need him to be the leader, the savior. And my friend, I want him, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ this morning. I've been living on my own for so long. I'm so tired of doing things on my own and, and, and getting to the places where I've always gotten. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for good things in my life. I'm ready for something that truly satisfies. If you're here today and that's you, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. 
But I do want you to make a stand and say, that's me, Pastor. You just raise your hand and look at me. I want to pray with you and pray for you. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to change for real. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. One more minute. Anybody else? Lord, I'm ready to come home. Hallelujah, Lord God. Jesus. Don't wait. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Today is the day. Hallelujah, Lord God. Jesus. An awesome invitation. If you raise your hand or you were supposed to, the Bible says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us. But it's more than a confession. It's more than just writing that RSVP on the invitation. It's actually showing up to the party. What's going to determine if you make it today is not just a one-time raising of the hand or a verbal profession, but a change of heart. Where you say, Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Jesus, you pray a prayer like this from your lips and your heart and your faith. I say, Lord Jesus, I, I confess my sin before you. Lord, I repent. I turn away from the way that I was living, God, and I give you ownership of my life. And Lord, I confess my need for you, my poverty without you, Lord, and I confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I give my life to Him. I surrender to Him that I would live for Him all the days of my life and dwell in the house of the Lord. And Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to make every day that choice. Every day that will have to be a choice in your life to die, to surrender to Jesus Christ. And if you do that, the Bible says you are saved. If you confess Him, but also believe in your heart, you are saved. And I encourage you, if you're here and you need help walking in that road of a discipleship, we've got a new believers class for you. I've got a devotional to give you today uh, at the altar after the service. And we're going to walk on that journey with you to grow in righteousness. But if you're here today, church, and you're, you're the saints... You have on any old clothes, man of woman of God? Jesus has provided what you need to stay in fellowship with Him. You need to take off something and put on His righteousness, His yoke of authority. Have you put on His faithfulness, His fruitfulness? Many rich things to be putting on. And God knows exactly what you need. And when you trade Him your filthy garment, He trades you His righteousness. And it's a choice, a daily choice, man and woman of God, not just to be a sayer, but a doer. To come, not in just belief, but obedience. Not just in trust, but obedience. So I'm going to ask you here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, Maybe the Lord has been dealing with you this morning and He wants to do a work in you. You say, God, I've been holding on to this filthy garment, this, this attitude, this belief, this opinion. Maybe I'm going through this circumstance and I, and I don't look like Jesus in this. <laughs> God, I know I don't look like Jesus in that opinion. God, I know I don't look like Jesus in that language. God, I know I don't look like Jesus in that habit. And I want to give that to the Lord today. Would you just lift a hand to the Lord and say, God, that's me. Lord, that's me. I'm giving that to you. Hands all over this place. Amen. Holy Spirit, 
You see every hand. Lord, and in this moment, we make a declaration of faith. God, we surrender that attitude, that belief, that opinion, that circumstance, that ideology, whatever it may be, that habit, and we give it to you and say, God, I don't want this any longer. Lord, and I surrender to you, and I take on your yoke of authority. God, I I come as I am, but God, I take your yoke. I take your authority over my life, God, and I surrender to trust and obey you and receive a greater reward. Father, I pray over this congregation, the fruit of the Holy Spirit to grow deep down in them. God, more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, God, more meekness and gentleness, more self-control, God, more kindness, that brotherly affection, God. As we trade one thing, God, we receive something so much greater. And we ask ourselves today, each and every day, do I look like Jesus in this? Hallelujah, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. Jesus. Holy, holy, holy are God. Worthy are you, O God. Oh, search us and know us, God. Do I look like Jesus in this? Would you stand with me today? I want you to know something. Man, God loves you. If you could just see, when you go out from this place today, I'm going to pray over you that you would just understand how that poor beggar felt to be invited to the king's table and to be able not only to sit there and eat and to dine and to be full up, but to trade off all that filthy stuff and wear royalty. You're royalty. Do you know that? You have been adopted into a royal family. You are a holy nation. A royal priesthood. Chosen and called by God Himself. When you go to this place, lift your head high, give thanks to God, and just wear His garments in style, would you? Would you just shine like the world? I mean, can we imagine that beggar left that place and went out to the streets Somebody noticed a difference. His countenance was different. Our attitude should be different. Our personality looks like we've been with the king. Amen? Father God, I pray over my people today, God, that you would grow in them. Lord, your character, your nature, your attitude. Lord, when we come into the presence of the king, Lord, we are changed, renewed, transformed. God, we are thankful. God, we are humble, oh God. But we are excited. Lord, about a, a great invitation. When we go from this place, Lord, we would invite, Lord, every person from the highways to the hedges, God, and say, come with me, dine with me, come be in the presence of the great and mighty King, and, and He will reward you and trade all this poverty of this world for great heavenly riches. But it is an exciting day to be a part of the family of God. It is a rewarding thing, God, to be in the family of God. And Lord, may we act like it. May we do something about it, God. Not just be uh, hearers, but doers of Your Word, O oh God, that we may not be found Lord, in that last day is people who are indifferent. God, or people, Lord, who didn't put on your righteousness but tried to attend the ball anyway. But God, that we would come and we would be changed by the presence of a mighty God. In Jesus' holy name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.